0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy.
1: Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered casino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is stuck. Everyone gets stuck sometimes when you have a problem at work and then you just don't know what to do.
0: And we're here to help. I'm Damian Bazadana from Situation.
2: And I'm Rochelle Pereira from Equilibrium. And when it comes to workplace problems, I'm usually by the book.
0: And I'm typically more from the gut.
2: My background is in consulting.
0: And I spent the last 17 years building a marketing company. And together, we want to help you get unstuck.
2: Each season is dedicated to a specific industry, and we're starting with the one that's right on our front doorstep, Broadway. So we
0: asked the Broadway community to send us interesting and challenging workplace dilemmas. And because this is a relatively small and vocal community where everyone knows everyone, our amazing producers, Katie and Peter, have heard their stories and will ask the questions on their behalf.
2: And once we hear the question, we only have five minutes to think about it before we weigh in and try to find a solution. These are not researched or edited responses, but rather instinctual answers built from our experience. Let's do this.
1: So I was talking to Rupert, um, and he works at a firm where they're trying to build up a diverse workplace. He's been recruiting and hiring diverse candidates, uh, over the last few years or really trying to focus on that, but he's stuck trying to ensure that there's a culture of inclusion because even though he feels like he's making some headway in, in making the workplace more diverse, he's having trouble getting those people to stick around for more than a year or two, um... He wants to know how he can create an inclusive workplace where there's a plan for diverse candidates to succeed in his organization. And not only that, but to stick around so that uh, he can ensure that there's greater diversity uh, bubbling up to his senior team.
2: Got it. And certainly this conversation is happening across Broadway. So I think it's it's Rupert's problem, but it's probably everybody's problem. Exactly. Fair to say? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and by diversity... What do you mean?
1: Uh, I think when he looks at the landscape of the people in the office, he just sees a lot of sameness, same age, same skin color, same gender. And so he wants to, you know, mix that up and make sure that diversity in all of its facets is being addressed. And and when he looks at his workplace, he can say, no, this, this is a multitude of voices that are bringing different perspectives into the room. So that could be age, that could be gender, sexual orientation. Uh, as, as much of it as he can, so that he's hearing from different voices. Got it. What does success look like? Retention is that essentially what it is like? In the, in the near term, it's definitely but, retention. I, I think he's he's sensing uh, he has a fear that. Maybe the reason that people aren't sticking around is because he hasn't already achieved this diversity, yeah. and the people that come in aren't seeing other faces like theirs, yep. and and so they're asking themselves, you know, do I see a future here? So he wants to try and reassure those people that this is something they're actively working on, and that they are a key to helping with that. Gotcha.
2: And you might not have the answer to this, but have they done exit interviews with they people do. who have left, and yeah. did that yield any interesting information?
1: Uh, I think it, it is yielding information that, uh, he's hearing various different things. A lot of it is just, you know, kind of wasn't a good fit or, you know, I didn't think the job was necessarily, so he's trying to interpret what he's hearing in those exit interviews. Um, but it's not
2: specific.
1: It's, it's not specific that he has a, a grasp yet on what he can do to really solve the problem and make sure that the people are sticking around. Got it. Okay.
2: Oh, man, this is this is like one of the times where I wish I had more than five minutes, but so be it. This is the way (laughs) these we made the rules. Damn it. Oh, well, this is this is a good one. But this one's this Uh, one is deep. This one's hard for me. My first job,
0: I walked into a company that had 10 guys, no women. And, uh, and I joined the company. I talked to the leadership team. I was relatively young, but I pretty much quickly said, if we don't hire a woman soon, there's zero chance ever a woman would ever possibly want to work here if you have 10 guys. Meanwhile, there's like Howard Stern on in the background. I'm like, this is just one gigantic mess in which you'll never get through. And I remember seeing that of just the idea of a workplace that just is screaming like no one else is allowed except just young guys. And it's just how dangerous it was, and like, and how do you begin to kind of dig out of that? And that's not the situation here, but I've seen it very, very firsthand in a leadership position of how do I turn a ship? Which I, I inherited that I kind of walked into that. How do you turn a ship? Um, and I, and it's it's a long, hard road that you have to be thoughtful in addressing. But that's where my brain, and I, I have a whole range of thoughts. But what did you do? Well, first is we made it a very a point to hire a woman into the role, like explicitly looking for someone to join the team. And when they joined the team, we were pretty open about how ridiculous the office space was. So at the most basic level, like it's like you're not playing Howard Stern in the background. So I had to kind of go in and kind of clean up. It was a creative shop. Again, where the, in theory, things are more lax, like it's just a different type of environment where I'm like, that's just totally unacceptable behavior. And so we kind of went through and said, just sort of just did some core things within the culture itself of eliminating and being pretty open about it. With the person coming in, like this is the environment, like this is the environment. Instead of being blind to it, and then just so proactively from that point on, and once you have one person on who's on board who understands where you're trying to go, it helps significantly. And I, I wouldn't say I wasn't there that much longer after that, maybe like a year or so. But it got better, unquestionably.
2: Were they like pissed that you had hired all these women? <laughs> no, <laughs> they're like get out. Way of here. to go, put their Howard Stern <laughs> yeah. back on. No, I think, and
0: and I, you know, I, I don't want to. I have a whole strain, you know, stream of thought on this, but. Um, it's very pers- – I've seen it firsthand and it's very, very tricky. And I deal with it as an agency owner now. I deal with it, right? I deal with it – this is a recurring issue because it's essentially people – if you do nothing, you self-select. on who your, your hiring is all self-selection process and you get what you know and you know what you do. And there's like this path we just takes you down a path and you go, how did we get here? And it's easy to – if you look back in hindsight, well, of course you're in the situation that you're in. You hire who you're comfortable with or who you reflection of, or wherever you start from, so mm-hmm. um, none of it's a surprise is then how do you retroactively now change that chip to be more mindful of the going, "Oh, well, this isn't good for the company. We're not getting the best of the company because we have all the same people. so
2: yeah i and, and I think that there some things are obvious, like, you know, is Howard Stern playing in the background?" And some things aren't, and I think it sounds like the recruitment process is good in that it's recruiting diverse candidates, but they're not sticking around. So chances are it's not so obvious what's happening within the organization, which is making people feel like they don't fit. And so this is where I think it's not at a conscious level, it's at a subconscious level. So this is when we start talking about implicit bias. So what are the things that, like most people would say, I treat people fairly, I do, you know, I anybody who works for me is treated exactly the same way, no matter what. But yet there are things that we're doing at a subconscious level that I think that there is work to be done in terms of identifying what those things are. So of course, you know, perhaps one of the things that Rupert could do is actually giving uh, implicit bias training to his staff. I think that that would actually be a really conscious thing because also when we think about bias Um, some of the areas of discrimination aren't the ones that we actually think are the greatest. So the number one um, area where there's greatest discrimination is age, then obesity, then race, right? So it's it's really thinking about, and, and actually disability is also up there too. So it's then looking at where do I have some unconscious bias? And you can actually one of the best ways or currently the one of the best ways of testing this is the implicit associations test run by Harvard, which is you can just type it into Google. It's um I A T take a test. And you can take tests to actually see where you have positive and negative biases based upon different groupings of people. And then it I think sparks a really interesting conversation. So for one of so one of one I received this um I had a positive bias towards able-bodied people. And it said like a moderate bias, so it's like heavy, moderate, slight. And I was really disturbed by that because I work with a lot of groups around disability. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, how is that possible? And then I had to do a lot of self, like searching into myself to say, why is that? Who are the people in my circle that have disabilities and what are my feelings towards them? Both physical, mental, social, you know, disabilities. And so it really sort of, it's hard work, but that's when you start to say, if I have a positive bias towards able-bodied people, how am I actually configuring my life in a way that makes it hard for people with disabilities to actually engage with me. So you can actually then go to your physical space to say, what are our doorways like? Do we have elevators? Do we have stairs? So that's like physical disability. But then if you think about things like, I don't know, are there lots of different shaped people here? Are there lots of, people? if I run a digital agency, are there people with all different ages or do I just have millennials? So like there are lots of different things that you can start looking at to say, why don't we have diversity? How do we run our meetings? Is it mostly like the white men that are running the meetings, or are there other people who yeah. are running the meeting? You know, so like that's, but you have to do some personal work to really unearth what's happening within the, di- the very small dynamics that are happening on a day to day basis.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's just so hard. Um, it's, when I say hard, it's just, it's, you have to be very thoughtful on it, and it's, it's deep. And, totally. And, deep. And, and mind you, just as someone, as, as I'm running the company, like the amount of stress I have in a day to day world of all the things that kind of have to get done where does that fit into my set of priorities and how do I actually how do I literally tackle that stuff cuz like I totally agree with you I probably have a our agency as a whole probably has a million different biases that I'm just blind to and then when someone will tell me I'll go holy cow like that's horrible we should be doing it this way and that's what we've grown over the last 17 years of essentially I think so one some of the feedback that I had written down was I think the idea of a creeping an open ear to to the biases, literally from the people of the office. So creating an environment where people feel comfortable uh, speaking up. Um, And in terms of retention, I think one of the things is try to, what we try to do at our agency, and we're trying to do a hell of a lot better job than what we've been doing uh, in terms of trying to make it even more inclusive than it is, is to try to create an environment that brings people together in in a whole range of ways. Just purely social things, that kind of brings people together, and we try to align on either mission or values. And I think when you create an environment where we're all together and we're all trying to achieve the same thing, this does not get rid of all the biases that exist and all the other issues that we're probably doing wrong. But it does create a unifying space for a more uh, – for a better opportunity for conversation to happen and for more likely successful outcomes. Um, so that's just more social gatherings and things like that, which I think has been – very. we spend a lot of time, that. money, and energy in that. Uh, and you kind of bring people together. Then I think people feel more comfortable. Yes. Um, but we've all – every person – has a unique story to themselves in which they walked into a room and all of a sudden they didn't feel like they belonged we've all been there and um, so until you're in that and it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes when they felt that way so, and it's hard to really know that someone else is feeling that way at this moment in time, so I, I don't know I think to me it's always very hard, but I would, if you're asking for a starting point for Rupert, I think the one point is to do is, is what type of environment do you have where the staff what is the employer doing to make sure that the staff is being highly collaborative highly um, there's just more social gatherings happening in some way, shape or form, and are you clear around mission and values but.
2: I think that those are I think that that's a really good start i i I don't know if it's going to get them, get him to the next level, right? Uh, yeah, I agree. So it's, it's – if he really wants to solve the problem, I think it's acknowledging that it is a problem and prioritizing it. And so, I mean, the fact that he submitted the question means it is a priority. Yeah. But really, when the rubber hits the road, like, how much is he willing to invest in really changing this – and I think he has to model this on his own behavior and even talk about the things that he's doing different differently to be more inclusive. Yeah. So I um, went to a, a, a talk like a few years ago, and it was Brene Brown. And one of the things that she said, which really resonated with me, she says, if you're a leader of an organization and you're not talking about discrimination, sexual harassment – Um, bias. If you're not talking about these things, then that's the definition of privilege. It means you don't have to. It's not burning for you, but it's burning for lots of other people who it's impacting. And so I think, yay for Rupert, right, for bringing this up. And I think, make it a priority and get other people involved and be willing to do the deep work.
0: Yeah, I think you go a long way with this team, with the whole company. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Stuck is created by Equilibrium and Situation. It's produced by the fantastic Katie Byrne and Peter Ujicic. Special thank you to Stephanie Connors for always keeping us on track and Miratone Studios for the kind hospitality. In case you're wondering, our theme music is Rockstar by Owen Mulcahy. We'll see you next week.